So, uh, good evening and uh, um, welcome um, to Encounter. Um, the, ah, excuse me a minute. The, the, the purpose of which is to encounter uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, whether. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a windy night. Um, can you get the first verse on screen, do you think? What, the, the context of what we're doing, the, the, sort of the context of the verse. Um, so this is, this is, I haven't quite started yet, I'll pray before we start properly, but this is like a preamble, okay? Um, as you know, we're going, looking at things in Revelation, and uh, the verse that we're on tonight, the verse that Laurie's allocated, is this verse here. In, it's quite easy to read, in his right hand, Revelation 1.16, he held seven stars, and come out of his mouth with a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining all its brilliance. Um, as I said to Paul before, the, uh, before we started, uh, it's a classic preacher's text. There's three points. Okay? Um, and when I first started looking at it and thinking about it, um, three or four weeks ago, sort of where it came out, and I bet that will come out, I think. However, two weeks ago, who was here two weeks of Encounter? Uh, and one thing about Encounter is... Um, Time in worship, time in God's presence is really what we're talking about, isn't it? Without these rush away. But, but nearly always there's some teaching, amen, good. Um, and last, that two weeks ago, Laurie said something which, as always, he often says stuff like this, that messes with my head for a bit. Um, and I don't know, often, Laurie, bless you, but often it's not the sort of, it's often not the sort of like um, points of his sermon. It's the, it's the throw away the odd things on the way through. Uh, which mess in my head. Um, and, and two weeks ago, he said this thing about, about um, often in the, in the Bible, in general, when God speaks, it's not with a still, small voice. That's the um, Elijah thing hiding in the cave. It's actually shouting. It's a loud voice. It's thunder. It's lightning. It's, wow! Listen. And... That was the main point. Was oh, was it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it is the main point of Rory's talk, but I don't... But to be honest, like all these things, when, some, when, someone, when someone, if you are sort of being, um, trying to be engaged, and something where Holy Spirit speaks to you through what some bloke at the front or leg at the front says, you like go off on one, do you know what I mean? I could not tell you what the rest of it's about, because my head was now messed with trying to think about that bit. Is that right or wrong? Well, it's tough luck, it's what happens. <laughs> and and, and that, that thing, because, you know, I mean... Uh, I, I said to you, Laurie, didn't I? I said, you know, sometimes I wonder why, therefore, when we want to hear God's voice, we go quiet, why we don't put loud music on. When we're doing, like, listening and living in freedom, why don't we have, you know, a load of noise on, a load of kids playing football or something? Or, it's because God can shout. And the more I thought about that, the, the more... It, it, and I think some ways, um, it, it is often that God's shouting is the blindingly obvious... Uh, that we just miss because sometimes we make sometimes we just get too much too complicated in what it's about uh, and, and just don't see that the blindingly obvious God's shouting at us from everything right and we still say Lord what are you saying but actually it's obvious look at it uh, and now that's not what I'm talking about tonight but that took me back to this passage and this passage is part of the vision of Jesus that John has uh, and I want to 
I'm going to ask you a question, and quite often when I ask questions in times like this, I don't really want to know the answer. I'm asking to get you involved. Is that, is that, do you not know that? Teachers do that sort of thing, all right? But this one, I actually want to know the answer. Close your eyes, if you trust me. Just welcome Jesus this evening. Just ask that his Holy Spirit speaks to you. Look, in this, look into the face of Jesus. Well, give us a picture of your son. Amen. I'll do it in just two categories. See, when I, when I form a mental picture of Jesus, it is pretty much Jesus I imagine him to be in a first century Jewish guy. Gentle, loving, chatting, handing out food at a barbecue, whatever. What's your picture of Jesus like? Anyone going to say what your picture of Jesus is like? Can you share or not? Can anyone say what their picture of, mental picture of Jesus is like when they pray, when they see? Don't have one? Anybody? Just say out there, just say out. Yeah, thank you, Di. Anybody else? David? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Sorry? Glory, yeah. You see, unlike Laurie's thought, I went back and thought there aren't many descriptions of visions of Jesus in the New Testament. But all that there are are ones which emphasise his awesome glory, not his humanity. This one certainly does. This is Ezekiel-like, in like, what is going on? You know, he's got a sword in his mouth and stars in his hand, and then he puts, pats John on the head. I mean, how do you do that with a sword in your mouth? It's like weird. But it's, his eye shine, shines like the brightness. The other ones I think of, think of them with me. Paul on the road to Damascus. What does he see, Jesus? And what's it like? The sun shining in full brightness. They're blinded. They fall as dead. Is the people with him? Stephen, being stoned. His heavens opened, and Jesus, the Son of Man, standing at the right hand of the Father. And I just, it just challenged me. I, I, I just, I just, I'm not going to lay my... There's no theology in this team. There's, no, there's theology coming. There's no theology in this at all, really. It's just I wonder sometimes whether, whether my, me personally, I don't easily enough see the risen, ascended, glorified Jesus. And whether some of my struggles in, in life, you know, as I do, is because I don't see that sovereign authority that Jesus has. And tonight, I want to really, I want to lead us into just a little bit of reflection on Jesus. Is that okay? Let's come together to the text. I'm going to put it in context. So this now comes where a bit of, bit of ordinary preaching. Listen, uh, my problem's more of yours. Here we go. Next, just go next slide. I think we've got the whole chunk here. I'll put it in the context. Okay, I'll read it. I can do it. If you've got a Bible, I'm just going to read from 12 to 16. Revelation 1, 12 to 16. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, 
dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash on his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Oh, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. This is a vision of the Son of Man. Let's now pray as we go into this. Lord Jesus, I pray as we look at your words together, your Holy Spirit would take truth, speak into our hearts. Lord, we don't want to just do thinking, though we do want to think. We want to do encounter. We want to just meet you, Lord God. Meet your Son, the Son of Man, our Jesus, by your Spirit. Father, take your word and speak the living word to our hearts. Amen. If the slides is working, I did one of those wordle things which picks up all the words in this first chapter. And seven comes up quite a lot. Seven is the most common word in this first chapter. Because seven is a number for completeness. And what John's vision of heaven is, is very much a symbolic vision of completeness of everything. Right? There's seven lampstands. There's seven churches going to write to. Seven spirits. Seven's all over the place. There are actually seven actual churches. There are churches, in, as you know, in the, in the uh, Roman province of Asia. Uh, and those seven churches all have little later on little letters, personal letters. But I'm sure the fact there are seven of them is partly because they're the ones you're on a right to, but also it speaks of the completeness. Jesus holds all the church in his right hand. The picture has seven stars held in his right hand. And later on, uh, John tells us in the, in the vision, in Revelation, that, in fact, Jesus tells John that the mystery of the seven stars is they are the angels of the seven churches. So Jesus holds in his right hand, picture it, not me, but picture these seven stars. And, and he's amongst seven lampstands. He's standing amongst seven lampstands, seven sort of, I presume they're like things like this, you know, that tall with a, with a light on top. Just interesting by points here, there's seven lampstands for the seven churches and he holds the seven stars for the, seven, for the angels of the seven churches. There's something about the light going on here. Each one of the lampstands has a light of its own, that's the light of the church. But it's a sort of not quite the same impressive light as the lights of the stars. Candles are not like stars. You can measure the brightness of, uh, we use a unit called candela to measure the luminous brightness of things. Um, and roughly one candle is one candela. And you can work out how bright a star is, and it's a very big number. And what's more, they last forever. And what's more, they don't smell bad and don't set the, uh, the benches on fire. But the candles are their own light. It's not, it's not just the church reflects the light. Do you get me? It's a separate sort of light. Uh, sometimes I think it's possible to think that as, you know, as the church, as God's people, we light of Jesus and we, we don't just reflect it, we possess that light. It may occasionally be a bit dodgy and weak because we do things wrong, but it doesn't need to be. We are carriers of the light. The light comes into where Jesus is from the candles as well as the seven stars. And there are seven, he says the seven stars are the seven angels of the churches. Each church has got an angel. They may, he may mean that. No one, you know, the, the people who do the Greek and study it a lot 
disagree about this, whether it actually means a spiritual angel, which it could mean, that's a great thing. Each church got an angel. Although I'm always a bit dodgy about quantifying angels to places and things, how many you actually get, right? Because, you know, who knows, really? And the Jewish tradition was that every, every congregation had an angel, every country had an angel. Um, some stuff in the Old Testament where, where it's about Michael being the angel of Israel. But that, or it might actually just mean like, like a messenger to. I don't think it actually matters. What the picture fundamentally tells us is that Jesus in heaven, absolutely sovereign, amazing picture of power, authority, nothing's coming near this. It's no longer the Jesus who, who was, you know, bless him, fantastic, that he came and lived and, and walked and, and was tired and, and cried and did all this stuff and was tempted in every way, as why he says, like us, but not be without sin. No, he's not that anymore. He's the risen, glorified, ascended Jesus. He's in heaven. He's got everything you know, around him. One like a son of a man, but not as he was. He holds the church in his hand. This church and every other church is held in his hand. Right hand for strength and power. Actually, I say that as I do it, my shoulder hurts. I, to pull, I always pull muscles in my right shoulder. Right? So my strong hand is the left one. But, but symbolically, the right hand is a strong one, isn't it? Holds the churches in his hand. And walks amongst the light. It's a brilliant picture. Oh, we've now got the picture on the screen. Look, there you go, the seven churches. Fantastic. Um, we've, we've gone there. I think the... Go back a slide. Go back a slide. I love me word all things. No, you can't go back. Oh, you can go back. There you go. That's, the cha- that's chapter one on one of those things. Right? I think, they're quite, I think they're quite pretty, those things. Jesus and God are quite big. Not as big as seven, weirdly. But uh, um, I hope you did it right. The, Jesus holds the seven angels, the seven churches in his hand. And, that's imp- and walks amongst the light of the seven uh, candles, the seven lights of the church. That's really impressive, given that when he comes to the letters in chapters 2 and 3, actually quite most of them are doing pretty badly. If you've read the letters, letters to the seven churches, most of them have some problems. Uh, next slide just does them briefly. I don't know whether we can do this. Laurie, are we going on to the next bits later or not? Do we know or not? We don't know. Two weeks time. Oh, are we? Oh, cool. Yeah. Excellent. Great. Forward then. Go slide, forward, slide. Next one. Luckily, oh, there you go. That's too small to read, isn't it? You can't read it. I just, this is my summary of, their, of, their, of, the, of the sort of problems. You know, a church that abandoned its first love. A church remains faithful, good church. A church that compromised the belief. A church that patiently endured, good one, bad one, good one, notice. A church that follows false prophets. A church that's full of spiritually dead. And a church that lived one faith. These are real churches. They're not perfect churches. But Jesus holds the stars of the churches in his right hand. So then it's, you are not a perfect church. But Jesus holds the star of this church in his hand. In heaven. And there's something about the security and the authority in that that I think I miss quite a lot in the struggle to make what it is to be God's people, to be God's family, work here, nine to five, well, in my case, five to nine, usually, actually, I get up early and go to sleep early, but, right, day to day. Sometimes, what is that, what is that, 
that thing, that quip they say. To be above with saints we love, that will be glory. To be below with saints we know, that's another story. <laughs> to live above with saints we love, that will be glory. To live below with saints we know, that's another story. But Jesus holds the stars of the churches in his hands. Seven stars uh, in his hands. And <laughs> I have to do this because there's nothing at all to the text. Nothing at all to Next slide. But the seven stars reminds me of the, Gallic, the, the constellation called the seven stars, the Pleiades, which if you were walking two, three days ago, it was really clear. You could see clearly over, over Stubbs End, not Stubbs Wood, right? um, which is referenced in Amos. Um, but I don't think John had that in mind at all, actually. I think seven is the completeness, not because of the constellation of seven stars. But it's rather nice there, are, there is this well-known constellation called the seven stars, or Pleiades in Greek. Next. Come out of his mouth, so first thing, seven stars. Some come out of his mouth with a sharp, double-edged sword. Now, the sword is clearly, whoa, Jesus, in Chris Clare's picture sometimes, is gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Like, in Chris Clare's mind, sometimes God speaks in whispers and quiet, and you've got to be really quiet to hear him, because he's so quiet. But Laurie says, no, sometimes God shouts. <laughs> well, the fact you and the Bible say the same thing is good, isn't it? Amen. Preach it, brother. Um, <laughs> look, swords kill people. Swords are weapons. All the commentators say that it's not as stupid as you think this picture, because the Roman sword was like a bit like a tongue, had this cut in it, so it was very good at slashing both ways. His mouth is clearly where he speaks, his word, and, and this is going to cut people. It's an offensive thing. I mean, not offensive in terms of I'm offended, but, but offensive in terms of attacking, right? Cutting in. Oh, yeah, actually, some of the worst of the churches are like that. This is not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This is gentle Jesus. This is Jesus in authority, and he holds the stars of the church. Absolutely, the security is there. But it's, but, but doesn't mean to say there will be words, and there will be words to. Those who don't know, and they'll be really harsh words. But there are words to his churches which cut, which say, what are you doing, church? And five of the seven churches get a word a bit like that, but cuts. And again, I know in my own little experience, I know how, I say little, it's little but long. <laughs> it's gone on a long time, but you know, so I'm a very slow learner. But I know how sometimes words of scripture and words from the front in pulpit and words my kids speak to me cut. And that's what Jesus' word is designed to do sometimes. It also, of course, is comfort and peace. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is gentle, yeah? But, but this evening, I just want to emphasize a little bit, I think what John does in his vision of the authority of Jesus, the Jesus who is king, the Jesus who is in heaven. Now, of course, I put the two verses on there that I'm sure go to you in your heads when you put about this, the word. It never says in Revelation, uh, here anyway, just sort of later on, that the sword is the word. But we know that from two places. The word of God is active and sharp, and then to a sword, it penetrates, even dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts, which is the heart, Hebrews 4.12. And the angel of the church, oh, sorry, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
Uh, later on in the letters to churches, um, each church has like sort of a pi- has applied one of the pictures from the vision. And the, the one to Pergamon, it has this thing in. The angel church in Pergamon writes, these are the words of him who has a sharp double-edged sword. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, the second, left, second church in the list. Okay, quiz time. Laurie, you may not take part in this quiz, just in case you get it wrong. <laughs> there are three verses on screen, and you know there are two, two words for word, aren't there? You're all feeling nervous now, and I can feel the nervous coming. There are two words for, for word in, in the New Testament, which are? Logos and? Rhema. Okay, you may take no more than 15 seconds in pairs, decide which one is which in those three verses. Right? Do not look up the Greek on your phone, which is what I would do at this point. Right? Just have a quick look, talk, is it, you know, right? just go on, you know what these words are, just have a quick look. Can't go far wrong. I, I'll be so impressed if everyone gets all right, all three right. I might get them wrong as well. <laughs> I've been done before. You may just share with your person as well, if you don't know it, what those two words mean, or what rhema and logos mean. You can do that as well. I was going to say, and I will say it now, I think, actually. Um, uh, this is a by the by again. It's not part, not part of the talk, really. Uh, I do think that, that we, and I don't know quite how far I go down here. Laurie and me, uh, I'm older than Laurie, me, my generation, and Laurie's generation, and probably a couple of generations down, if you're sort of, I guess, over 25, 30, I don't know. Because we're a generation who had to learn, had to do Bible study from a Bible. Right? This, <laughs> this didn't exist. I mean, uh, my first online Bible, I, I copied onto a BBC microcomputer with 16 kilobytes of memory um, by hand. Right, because I wanted to search it. All right, and and this ability to go to a verse and see some translation stuff just did just didn't happen. It wasn't wasn't a thing. It just wasn't a thing you could do. Uh, but it does mean that the text is in my head, and and although I now use this quite a lot to go and find out oh, where is that verse where it says, "I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you." It's in Psalm 119. Oh, no hope. The longest psalm in the Bible. Right? I can now look it up. But the word's in my head. And I do worry a bit about people who've grown up, since they've had these, where they rely on this. And whether actually they've hidden the word in the same way in their head that, that, that is going to give them that security in future. I, I, I'm, am I worrying about, wrongly about that? Well, I don't know, Di. I'm sure it is. I'm whole Holy Spirit can give me a word. That's In fact, actually, I know that's the case. I've heard young people who I deal with who have no idea about Scripture at all, really. Because they don't teach it in school anymore, you see. I, got, I, was writing, I was writing essays on Amos when I was in year seven. They were rubbish essays, but, but I can remember it really clearly, writing essays in year seven, being caned for making... Anyway, that's another issue. Uh, but I, I don't know. But I'm just going to say to you guys, bury the word in your head. Read it. Don't rely. Don't rely on, on always getting to it. Because you never know. 
It's not, it's not prophetic. Maybe one day it won't be there. Or we won't be there. Anyway, which one? So what do we reckon? What do we reckon? Who are we going to ask? Let's just be embarrassed. David, what do you reckon? Uh, which one? Okay, brilliant. Uh, which, which one of these? It says word. Is the word of God rima or logos? Rima, the spoken word, the immediate word, the word now, or logos, the, written, you know, the, the finished absolute word. And the logos is Jesus, but the written word like the Bible. Which one do you think? You don't. Sorry? Okay, don't worry. I'll do it myself. Sorry. The first one uh, is Rima. The, the first one in the Ephesians one is the soul of the Spirit, which is the word, the, the word of God, the immediate word, the word that uh, cuts, right? The word for you now. Sort of, anyway. Although I suspect that a lot of the, com- lot of the, com- lot of the translations don't much distinguish it. The second one is Logos. <laughs> Third one, Johnny, is what? No. The third one, the third one isn't either, because in the text, the Greek says he spoke. It doesn't have a word for word. The translation, don't, not every time in the New Testament is the word word in the English one of those two words for word. Do you get me? Other ways around. What's this saying to me? It's saying that, look, Jesus, there's no doubt the picture, seven stars hold the churches. It's Eleven lampstands, yeah, yeah. Sword, mouth, word, word cuts. Jesus' word is still active. In fact, it's absolute active now. The thing that, is, and the word is both the written word, logos. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might have hinged you. Holy Spirit, pull it out when you need to and cut when I need to be cut to pull me up, to encourage me, whatever. And it's also the rim word, the, the immediate word, the word that comes, maybe from, we say sometimes, prophecy or revelation, from, comes into the situation just for Chris Clare. The word that is, is for me now, the word that speaks into my situation. They will be comforting, but they can be stars, sword. What's the third thing? Revelation 116, what's the third thing? Quickly, I've run out of time. Sorry? So the sun, his face was like the sun shining its holy brilliance. Have you ever looked at the sun? Don't. Because you can't. Our eyes don't actually cope with it very well at all. And the picture there, of course, is stars, security of the churches, sword, spoken word, cutting, truth, the sun in all its radiance. This is glory, as I think Jared said. And the thing like burnished feet and gold thing around there, all that as well. But you look at his face, oh Lord. John says he fell as dead in the next verse. Doesn't fall, doesn't fall in worship because he knows he ought to. He falls as dead. But whoa. That's my Jesus. I know sometimes when I'm talking to people who don't know Jesus. I'm talking, I'm getting very close to that rap thing that Laurie did about, that's my Jesus, but don't go there, I couldn't do that. But I know I'm talking to people, you know, just in work or whatever. I do describe Jesus as the amazing teacher that he was. As the amazing man that lived and, did, and broke all these conventions and, and showed us the way to be kingdom people in a real situation. They don't see this Jesus because this is spiritually perceived. 
you have to be alive in the spirit. I think this comes beyond salvation. Once we accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour, we realise that this is my Jesus. My Jesus? Or am I his? Yes. Because <laughs> this is my Jesus. It's not always a comforting picture, but it's a true picture and it's an authoritative picture and he is in control and he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we can't be King of Kings and Lord of Lords without pretty large amounts of splendour, glory and scariness. That's my Jesus. Our Jesus. The one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords.